It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun today. It's going to be great. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning about and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. Some of us are tempted to give up, especially when there's no apparent solution in sight to whatever we're dealing with, because nothing you try seems to work, and it does feel that way sometimes. Things seem to be getting worse rather than better. So do you give up or do you find another way? If you are a Star Trek fan, you already know that Captain Kirk was the only Starfleet cadet to beat the unwinnable Kobayashi Maru scenario. When asked how he did it, he calmly said, I changed the conditions of the test. He didn't picture giving up as an option. He simply found a way to rearrange the circumstances they made winning possible. So how can you rearrange the conditions of your unwinnable situation? Make a different offer. Make that offer to a different audience. Stop asking broke people for money. Stop asking for loyalty from someone who's interested only in taking from you. I have done all of these things. Thankfully, I don't do it nearly as often as I used to, but hopefully the point is clear. Find your way to win. It's out there. And if you are committed to finding it, you will, I promise. And if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 3. It is the third in a three-part series, and it's on Amazon. I would appreciate it if you'd pick that up and leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. And I'd like to introduce my guest at this point. His name is Alaric Heck. Let me tell you about him. He is the world's leading YouTube ads expert and the founder and CEO of Ad Outreach, which was named the number 60 company on the 2022 Inc. 5000 list for fastest growing companies in America, as well as number one in Austin, Texas. He's a seasoned entrepreneur in public speaking and became a self-made millionaire at the age of 24. His clients have collectively earned multiple nine figures, and he's earned the ClickFunnels 2 Comma Award. He's also been a guest on over 100 podcasts, including Entrepreneur on Fire, the Social Media Examiner podcast, ClickFunnels Radio, Perpetual Traffic, and Roland Frazier's Business Lunch, to name a few. And you can learn more about him by visiting his website, Alaric.com. That's A-L-E-R-I-C.com. So with that in mind, let me introduce you to my very special guest, Alaric Heck. How are you today, Alaric? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Brian. I'm excited. I am very excited to have you here, too. And we were talking before the show started. A few weeks ago, I had Sean Cannell on my show. He specializes in helping people start their businesses and growing organic traffic, and you focus on the paid ad side. So I'm very happy and grateful that we'll have a chance to explore that today. Absolutely, absolutely. And they go hand in hand together, too. You build up the organic side, then you also have an opportunity on the ad side as well. And I'm sure we'll even touch on some of those some of those synergies here. Absolutely. So the question I always like to open with is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? So I had a vision early on that I was going to be able to really build a um, really build a business that was going to impact people with video. But originally, when I was pretty young, I actually thought 
that it was going to be more in the film space or more building out actually, you know, to talk about a YouTube channel, talk about, you know, Sean coming on before. Um, originally, I thought I was going to continue to build more of uh, a YouTube channel, more of a YouTube um, you know, kind of presence organically. And so it was the ad side that was kind of the pivot over time. Um, and so when I was in, uh, in college, uh, I had a successful YouTube channel and I'm sure, you know, I can tell, tell more of the story, uh, if you'd like, but I had a successful YouTube channel, but I discovered the ad side of things. And then that's when the, you know, my whole business and career, uh, took a totally different, uh, trajectory, but still related to, uh, to video. So I think I had half of it right. I, I yeah. knew I was going to be able to impact people with video. Uh, it just turned out a little bit differently. You got your start when you were very, very young. When you were 12, you were given an iPod Touch for Christmas. Tell us how that was a huge lightning bolt moment for you. Yeah, so it was a big lightning bolt, uh, like, light, uh, sorry, it was a big light bulb moment because I got this iPod Touch and I wanted to create content around it. I was somebody that just loved producing videos. I was filming videos with my friends. I was going out and um, learning how to edit using Adobe Premiere and and all of that. And I basically started to film myself showing some of the best apps and the best games for that iPod Touch. And I posted them to YouTube, which was still pretty new at the time. This was back in 2009. Yeah. And all of a sudden people started watching those videos. So I was getting thousands of views and people started to be interested. And so I kept posting more and more videos and, uh, and that's kind of started to balloon over time. Absolutely. And you built an audience and you ended up monetizing this while you were still in high school, right? Yes. So I was able to get accepted in the YouTube partner program. I actually applied four times. It was the, the fourth time that I got into it. And um, and that was in the early days of being able to make money on YouTube and having having ads. And so after I had been doing some of these app reviews, I started doing tech tutorials, teaching people how to use their iPhone. And those videos started getting millions of views. Uh, it's mm -hmm. actually something I'm, I'm pretty proud of is I've taught millions of people how to use their iPhone for the first time. Uh, with those videos that I created. And all of a sudden I was getting millions of people watching these videos and I was able to start earning ad revenue and doing affiliate deals and partnerships. And by the time I was in high school, I was already making a good uh, good income. I remember one of my uh, high school teachers was uh, was pretty shocked when uh, when he found out uh, and really couldn't believe that I was making you know sixty thousand uh, dollars a year. Um, and that actually continued to grow by the by the time I graduated high school, I was already making you know about six figures a year from the YouTube channel, and I, I used that to you know help pay for college and and launch mm -hmm. my my you know future business. You were making more than your teachers were. <laughs> exactly, and that's that was one thing that I remember. My uh, I had like a history teacher that was shocked when he found out about that. He, you know, his face kind of turned white. He's like, "That's more than I make." <laughs> and mm. yeah, it was it was definitely it was an eye opening moment for me. Absolutely. And we've talked about the different ways that you can make money on YouTube, but you got a sponsorship opportunity uh, for one of your videos, right? Yes. So I had been working with a lot of different, you know, apps and different sponsors. And, um, you know, there was uh, this kind of opportunity where I had all of these people reaching out to the YouTube channel. Uh, there was a time when literally there were 50 to 100 inbound requests every single day from apps and people who had products just trying to get featured on my channel. And, uh, and so what I was able to do is, you know, I hired a, a fellow college student to, uh, to respond to those emails. And I came up with just really doing it over time. I, at that time, you know, now, obviously I've, I'm a huge believer in mentorship and, and coaches and, and really investing in that, but I didn't even really know. And, and that was in the early days, 
And so I was just figuring it out, trial and error. How do I you know, turn people who are reaching out for me to feature them for free into a potential sponsor? And I was able to kind of get that down to a science um, wow. in, those, in those early days. That's fantastic. And that particular opportunity worked out so well that they wanted you to do some ad spend for them and see if they could get some more users, right? Exactly, exactly. So there was one particular app and it performed so well that they said, hey, how can we get more people to see this video? And that's when I said, well, why not use YouTube ads? And this was this was back in 2015. So, um, you know, not many people were doing YouTube ads. And so I ran ads for that mobile app and we got them over 11,000 users in just a week for wow. $500 of ad spend. It was, they were you know, blown away. So it was, it was really good results. And, and you know, they, they wanted me to continue to promote that and had other apps to promote as well. They offered you a job, right? Yes, yes. So, and it was, it was a compelling offer. Uh, they, they wanted me to drop out of college. I was in college at the time, fly out there to Silicon Valley, join their company. They had done, I think they had just done their Series B uh, you know, round or something like that. So they had done a couple rounds of funding and um, they were going to give me uh, a six-figure salary, drop out of college, uh, potential uh, you know, vested equity, and I could still do my YouTube channel. So they kind of gave me the dream offer, um, wow. but I still decided to turn it down because I, I wanted to build it myself. I wanted to, yeah. to build the business myself. Absolutely. And so that's what you did. And you created a company called Ad Outreach, which you still run, right? Yes, exactly. And that's where, where Ad Outreach came to be. Exactly. Oh, I love that. So you decided to expand a, not just uh, mobile apps and what you can do with that, but you are now working with clients building their sales funnels. And that has helped a lot, right? Yes, exactly. So a variety of different clients. So it started with apps. But then I was able to expand. I, I discovered uh, in 2016 the world of uh, you know click funnels and discovered the world of funnels. And I started to build out you know uh, sales funnels and figure out how to actually market things beyond just mobile apps, right? Whether they be uh, services or products or you know people who had information products, whatever it happens to be, you know expertise. Um, there are ways to market and promote that with a funnel. And that's what I I realized is my expertise was in YouTube ads. It wasn't just in YouTube ads for mobile apps, right? I expanded beyond that niche that I was in originally, and that really helped the business grow. That's absolutely fantastic. And so are you now offering an option for clients to do this themselves if they really want to? Yes, exactly. So we actually train, we're able to train businesses in YouTube ads and how the strategy works. And so, you know, we actually have a really strong hybrid approach where we can help our clients uh, write the scripts, you know, set up the ads. We've, of course, got our team that can go in and help them with that process. But we also train them on how it works as well, because I'm a big believer in companies being able to have that be a part of their business so that they have somebody on their team that can really focus on their ads on their team. And so what we've done with a lot of companies is actually come in and train either their media buyer or their marketing person. And sometimes smaller companies, you know, early earlier entrepreneurs, we might even train themselves, right? If they're involved in their marketing. And so essentially we train people on their team to know how the ads works. So they can take it and run with it long-term. Absolutely. We've got about a minute or so to our break. So I want to ask you, what is the best action that you wish you would have taken sooner? So the thing that I wish I would have taken sooner was actually going and delegating a little bit more, uh, you know, with the business. I think for a long time, I, 
uh, I was trying to do everything myself. And um, ultimately, what I was able to do is really build an amazing team around me. So I think that was the big thing that I should have done a little bit sooner uh, was delegate and also delegate my strengths, right? Even our own hands, mm. media buying. That's fantastic. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest is Laura Keck, and we're going to talk about building your business with YouTube ads. And there's so much that we can talk about. I cannot wait to dive deeper into this. And when we come back, we're going to explore all of that. And uh, I can't wait. We're going to talk about leveraging YouTube ads in your business. We're going to talk about whether this is a greater fit for higher ticket items versus lower ticket items. There's lots of different ways to skin the cat, but we will come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's words you've never heard. It's well known in medical practices that patients tend to lie about their health habits. They lie about how much they smoke, understate how much they drink or eat, and overstate how much they exercise. What's another word for those little white lies we like to tell in the examination room? Teradiddles. Doctors have a rule of thumb. Whatever the patient says they're drinking, smoking, or eating, multiply it by two. But it's hard to come clean about your habits when you know you're in for some jobation from the doctor. That's criticism we don't want to hear. If physicians want us to be honest with them, I suggest they try being a little less judgmental and use a little suaviloquence. That's soothing, encouraging talk. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Alaric Heck, and we are talking about YouTube ads and how you can use paid YouTube ads to build your business. And if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, please do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. We've been doing this for over 11 years, over 500 episodes strong. A review would be absolutely awesome and amazing. So, Alaric, let me ask you, what do you think is your rock bottom or defining moment so far? Yeah. So I think one of the like defining moments that I had was when I really looked at um, the change of, and, and I think they're kind of two different di two different things that I would say in terms of a defining moment is when we sh pivoted away from doing kind of more 
uh, agency work into doing a done together process. And like we talked about uh, before the break, diving in and really helping clients hands on and training them. And I think it actually can, it can fall into that too. I wouldn't say it, it was necessarily like a rock bottom moment, but I do remember, actually, you know what? The more I think back about it, I do think that there was an element of that. Essentially, I was on a call with a, a client and I think people that are, you know, potential, uh, you know, if they've had ever done agency or done like work for clients before, uh, they can resonate with sometimes there's the, the challenging clients that you happen to have even when you're getting them incredible results. And so I remember we had a client where we were getting them originally, it was, you know, 11X ROAS. And to put that in perspective, I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. And by the way, I'm not saying that's what every person who's running ads, you know, several years ago, but like at the same time, we, we got them really great results. And then they wanted to scale up. And so we scaled up their campaigns um, and we scaled up to, uh, to, to the point where we were spending, um, I forget exactly how much it was. I think it was around 50,000 and then they were at about a 7X. So it was like 300 to 400,000 uh, is what they were bringing in from those campaigns. So they they, they scaled up, uh, but they, they then were at a 7X ROAS, but still making a lot more than, uh, you know, than they were previous, right? Because we we, we scaled up the campaigns. I think we about tripled uh, what, the, what that spend was, right? And so ultimately when we did that, um, we were really excited. We hopped on, we said, this is, you know, this is great. We were able to, successfully scale these. And you probably see where this is going. I remember them hopping on and, and kind of saying like, you know, what happened? You know, what, what what's going on here? Like, and apparently, and again, this was also uh, proper expectation setting was probably needed on, on our side, because this was about like, you know, five years ago now. But, um, you know, they expected it to always be at that you know, 11x return, right. even as you scale. And as we know, over time, right, there's diminishing returns, right, you scale bigger, and it's all about finding that sweet spot between uh, the return and the scale. And, you know, trying to explain that, and I remember, you know, the client was basically, you know, kind of like, all right, you're, you're, you're doing this all through the weekend, you're, you're, you know, gonna burn the midnight oil and, and jump when we say jump to like, get this back to 11x. And, and I just remember, you know, thinking in that moment, this isn't good for either of us, right? Like we know what works really well for us. And we also know, you know, um, what's going to be impactful for them. But I want to work with businesses that have more of a collaborative approach to their marketing, right? Not just like, mm -hmm. hey, you go do this over here. Hey, we're just going to check this. I want to work and help companies that are excited about growing and scaling. And that's where we made this kind of shift to being more of a hybrid process. And I think that that was a real defining moment to say, we're going to work with our clients, closely with our clients. We're gonna enroll people that we want to work with and that we're excited about what we're gonna be able to uh, empower them to do and also educate clients, right? So train them on, hey, as you scale, there is this, it's kind of like a graph, right? There's a sweet spot of the maximum scale at the maximum return. And what we wanna do is we wanna find that spot and actually educate them on the process. And I think that that was a big, uh, big shift because it's one thing to get great results, but it's another, to actually educate clients to know what those results are and what they should do. Absolutely. So what is the most expensive mistake you think you've ever made? It can be financial. It doesn't have to be. It could be something you held onto for too long or something you didn't do soon enough. And you did mention one of those in the mm -hmm. last segment where you didn't delegate soon enough. Yes. So I think delegating soon enough, that one's harder to measure the direct, you know, and it's like you mm -hmm. said, it's not just always about the financial component. Right. That one was one that I definitely made early on. But then listen to this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things are a double-edged sword because I can tell you that probably the most expensive mistake was the exact opposite. Delegating something a little too soon, trusting to implicitly new people either hired for a role or 
Um, and so, you know, and to give a little bit more context, uh, you know, we basically uh, had a, a, an area where we had uh, somebody who was kind of managing overall our sales team. And for various different reasons, um, you know, they were no longer on the team. And so we had kind of a void. And this was after we had scaled up and I had kind of learned the lesson about delegation. Great. So we got to delegate. This is great. Um, and so I went through a process of going and finding somebody to replace that person. And I definitely made a pretty expensive mistake of, you know, probably not fully vetting someone enough. And, uh, mm. and so, but also giving them too much responsibility and delegation right off the bat, instead of having me, uh, kind of oversee a little bit more of a smoother transition. Right. And so essentially I think that that in of itself was a pretty expensive mistake. And uh, I think that part of it is just, it's the combination. You need to know when to delegate, but also at the same time, you don't want to just, you know, assume somebody's going to be able to come in, whether it's somebody you hire, even if you hire somebody at a really high rate, right, that has credibility and background, um, not just expecting them to all of a sudden perfectly fit that mold from day one. Right. And, um, and you know, not require some some degree of, of of training and working closely with them. Absolutely. What do you think is the highest value skill anyone can develop? So I really think that the highest value skill is a deep understanding of marketing and how that impacts every single aspect of your business. There is so much that is marketing. You are constantly marketing your business. You are marketing yourself. Uh, even if you don't have a business, right, and you are an employee, you're working at a company, right? If that's the case, you're still marketing your skills and your expertise to the other people within that company, right? You are always marketing yourself. And if you're a business owner, especially, or an entrepreneur, especially, what you are doing is you are marketing what you're doing. You're marketing what your business is doing. That's something that you're constantly doing in every every sense. So it's not just about the ads or about, um, you know, brand. It's really about how marketing affects every aspect of your business and uh, your personal brand as well. Absolutely. So let's get into some of the meat and potatoes of this. That is such a Midwest reference, but I <laughs> grew up on a farm. Let's talk about what are some of the advantages of leveraging YouTube ads for your business. I think early on, a lot of people go organic because that's all they can afford to do. I guess maybe the better question is, how do you know when it's time to start uh, working with paid ads and getting away from organic 100%? Yeah, so I think that the big thing that a lot of people see on the organic side is they start to see a little bit of this roller coaster effect. And I've talked with lots of entrepreneurs and lots of people who have businesses, and they start to see this where one month they might have a lot of new clients or have a lot of sales coming in, uh, you know, something on organic really hits, and then the next it might dry up. And there's a little bit of this lack of predictability. And what you get with ads is you get more predictability, more consistency, right? And so the you're essentially trading time and money, right? Those are the two different things that you can do to mm -hmm. get a return. And so early on in organic, you're trading time, but then you make a shift when you realize now I also want to find a way to trade money to generate results. And that's when the organic, uh, that, that's when the shift from organic to ads really happens. When you build up your reserves, your, your monetary reserves enough that you're ready to make that leap into ads, but you don't always need as much money as people, people initially think. Okay. That's fantastic. So what do you think are some of the advantages of leveraging YouTube ads in particular? So YouTube, honestly, is the best platform to get in front of people. And the reason for that is you're getting in front of people with a video that has sound on where you can connect with them, right? And you can share your expertise, your product, your services, whatever it happens to be. 
And you can also target them based on intent. So one of the problems on other platforms, right? Think about uh, you know Facebook or other platforms, uh, you know TikTok, things where you're scrolling. One of the problems with that is you're just kind of scrolling by and there's not really a whole lot of intent. You're not necessarily currently looking for something. Whereas on YouTube and Google search, right? What you're doing is you're looking, you're trying to figure out how to answer a problem, right? So you're searching on Google, you're searching on YouTube or you're watching videos, right? People are on YouTube for one of two reasons, either to be entertained or to learn. And we wanna reach the people that are there to learn, right? Yes. When they're in that learner's mindset. And so essentially what we can do is target and reach those particular people and the reason it's better than things like Google ads is, or, or I mean, is it part of Google, but like uh, Google search ads, I mean to say, is you have that rich media. You can actually get in front of them with a video. So it's the best format video and the best targeting, which is intent-based targeting. That's fantastic. So is it better to use YouTube ads to float higher ticket items or lower ticket items? I would imagine higher ticket items are better. Yes, yes, higher ticket. Um, performs incredibly well with YouTube because you're connecting with people, you're providing value in the ad, they're seeing you and hearing you or you know, or, or whoever happens to be on that ad. And so they're really connecting with that at a deeper level. And um, it's really warming people up even in the ad, right? Versus images or things like that, you're kind of scrolling by, you might click it, but you're not really building as much of a relationship on that image or on that text ad. When it comes to video, you're building a, more, a bigger relationship, which works really well for high ticket uh, sales. That said, YouTube does perform well at mid and low ticket. It just depends on exactly what that offer is. What I, I typically don't recommend very, very low ticket or commodity based items or you know drop shipping, things like that. You're not going to see really as much uh, success with those types of things that have those smaller margins where YouTube videos might be overkill. That is said, that, higher right. ticket and, and demonstrable products convert quite well. Is there a sweet spot in terms of the price point that tends to work better than other price points? So the price point at which we know it's going to be a slam dunk on YouTube is over a thousand or is either a thousand dollars or over. Actually, it's more like five hundred dollars or over, to be honest. Um, that being said, uh, underneath that, you still see success. A uh, hundred dollars is kind of where the cutoff, what I would say is to the degree that you need to have a strong uh, funnel and game plan and overall business model under a hundred dollars. And there's people that do it. And we also, you know, I've got, uh, uh, like I just have an e-commerce company on the side that sells 89 and $59 iPhone charging stands. And we do quite well with that, with YouTube ads. It's just, you know, we run millions of, of, of views to like those ads and, 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 and drive a, a lot of revenue. That said, and we have clients that do similar things. I would just use that as an example. It's like a, like a little side thing, but but basically you can do it. It's just, you have to make sure that you've got the right product, it's demonstrable, it's different. Your you know, Shopify, all those things are all lined up. Fantastic, we're coming up against our next break. We'll talk after the break about perhaps what characteristics exist in the most successful ads. First steps for someone who actually wants to get started using YouTube ads and, and uh, knowing what your customer avatar, of course, has to be a good first step and how to create value in your videos. So we'll come back after the break. We're talking about YouTube paid ads to build your business. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be back.
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Laura Keck, and we are talking about using paid YouTube ads to build your business. And in the last segment, we talked about the sweet spot, uh, sweet spot for a price point for your item. $1,000 or more is best, although it can work if it's less if you've got a really, really good offer and a good funnel. So let me ask you, uh, what have you observed to be the characteristics of the most successful ads that you've done? So the characteristics are going to be a um, a compelling offer that has a real product market fit that actually knows exactly who their ideal clients are, knows what the offer is, and then comes up with, and again, this is something that we help our, our clients do, comes up with a strong hook that really calls out specifically who that ideal client is and really speaks directly to them. And so, yeah. uh, you know, a, a great example, our best performing ad hook is YouTube ads beat Facebook ads every time. Let's face it, Facebook ad costs are going through the roof. And even when you have a great ad, they're almost impossible to scale. Well, yeah. in this video, I'm going to show you how you can use YouTube ads and then, you know, dot, dot, dot. Right. So you can kind of see how that has a real strong us versus them statement and it pulls people in. And it's the exact same thing with our clients as well. That's fantastic. And you did talk a little bit about knowing your audience. And so what would you say are the first steps for someone who actually want to get started using YouTube ads? Yeah, so really making sure that you have clarity around that offer, your ideal clients, and those are things that you know uh, we also help a lot of our clients with as well, because you know sometimes people need to go down and really build out what that avatar is, that client avatar. Um, but in terms of the first steps, the best thing to do is really to start uh, working on the script. And so this is something that we help our clients with, uh, but really it follows a process that goes from hook to educate, to call to action, right? So those are the three components of a winning YouTube ad. The hook draws in your ideal clients. You kind of heard me give an example a second ago, right? So you got to call them out. You got to specifically talk about either a problem, a challenge, something that you can really draw them in with. 
And then from there, educate. That's where you're providing real value in the ad. Remember, people are going on YouTube to learn. So if they're looking to learn, you want to actually provide value in the ad. That's going to get them to trust you, see you as the expert, see your you know services, consulting, whatever, uh, as that uh, that service that they need, and then get them to take action. And then having a clear and concise call to action at the end to make it very clear, here's exactly what you need to do from the ad. Absolutely. And you also talked about creating value inside your video. So it's not just buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, but you're wanting to give some kind of value. So is it better to steer people toward a free resource first, or is it better to, in a sense, go for the jugular and say, this is my thing, buy it, go here. So I always am a big fan of the free resource because okay. building up that value is going to succeed long-term. People are going on YouTube to find that value. And that's what I really love is, is the free resource. And we see that works really well across our clients. Absolutely. So what determines the cost of a YouTube ad? I know that it depends widely on a lot of things, but give us some ideas. Yeah, so it, it does it does vary uh, based on a lot of different factors. So in terms of uh, what are called the you know VAC or video action campaigns, uh, which is kind of the the current form of you know YouTube ads that you think about, the ads that appear in front of other videos um, and drive direct conversions, um, you are optimizing those based on conversions. Now, this is getting slightly into the weeds, but this will help explain. Uh, so no worries if this, this might go over a few, few heads here, but essentially there's a way to bid per conversion called a target CPA, a target cost per action. And so essentially you could tell Google, I am looking to get conversions for this cost or less. And what Google will do is it will then take that and it will put you in and essentially you bid against other advertisers who all have their own various costs per action. And Google will go and serve your ads based on your targeting to see how it can get uh, that cost as low as possible. Now, I know that gets a little bit into the weeds, but that's the easiest way to think about it. You're bidding for how much you're willing to pay per conversion. And Google mm -hmm. will reverse engineer some of that to, uh, to, to put your ad in front of the right people and ideally get you under that cost per action. Fantastic. So you would advocate testing ads small scale before scaling it all the way up, right? Exactly. Always you want to start at a smaller scale before scaling up. You also want to you know, set what that uh, cost per action is that you're willing to spend and let Google know. Like Google can actually know what your ideal cost per lead is and, um, and can work to optimize that. And so that's something that we really recommend for our clients is starting small and then scaling up. And, um, and that way you can really build those campaigns kind of like a tree, right? So you're building branches off of that campaign that works the best. You mentioned earlier that it doesn't take a whole lot of money per day to do this. So let's talk specifically about this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing that if you say, hey, I want to spend like 20 bucks a day, that's not going to fly, right? You have to have more than that? So yes, with traditional YouTube ads, there is a different type of YouTube ad that you can do for as little as five to $10 a day, which are called in-feed ads. And those are ads that appear alongside videos, also in search results as suggested videos, and in the YouTube home feed, those are more driving people to watch videos and to kind of build your warm audiences on YouTube. So those are in-feed ads, those are keeping people on the platform, and those you can run at a lower scale. But the conversion-based ads that we were just talking about, the ones that run in front of videos, the ones that drive people to your website, to a lead magnet, those ads you typically do want to uh, spend at least 50 to $100 a day uh, on those types of campaigns. Okay, fantastic. So you mentioned great case scenarios for previous clients earlier in the show. 
I want to ask, as you scale, what is a typical result for an ROI for a great ad campaign? 5X, 7X, 10X, what, what is a reasonable expectation? That's a great, that's a really great question. So typically, and again, it depends on where the overall scale is. So typically, sure. and it also depends on the offer, what the cost is, like there's a lot of different factors that really play into it. So typically what we talk about is um, in that, you know, three to seven X uh, range is typically where a lot of our clients are targeting and where a lot of our clients um, end up uh, getting to. And I think the thing that people need to understand, it's kind of like that previous client, right? When you dive in, you think automatically that the highest ROAS is the best, but not necessarily, right? Is it better to get 11x um, and you know spend $10,000 and make 110 uh, as an example, or is it better to uh, to get that 7x right and spend 50,000 and make 350, right? It's, it's kind of it's better the latter as long as you can maintain that number of clients and so a uh, number of sales with your fulfillment, and so essentially it's really an equation. What is the maximum return that you can support with your business, that you can look at? And um, because as you scale over time, there is a degree of diminishing returns, right? You're going after low-hanging fruit first, and then you're expanding beyond the tree, and there's still fruit there. It's just a little bit harder to reach. And so you, you'll have to spend a little bit more uh, energy or a little bit more ad spend to be able to reach those. And so essentially, um, it's one thing where, where people get surprised by my answer, but a lot of our clients determine what they want their ROAS to be. Mm. And that's typically, you know, where they're able to go because as long as it's within kind of the realm of reason with the with the the, the modeling of, of their their offer, right, of course, uh, and 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 uh, how that works. But essentially, they get to decide um, either what ROAS they're going for or what level of ad spend they're going for. And then what a lot of our clients look for is to kind of find that sweet spot between the two. Right. How much can you scale with what return on ad spend you want? Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that eventually as you grow, there is a point of diminishing returns where 11x becomes maybe 8x, maybe 6x, maybe 5x. How do you recognize that? Because there can be some up and down. How do you know when you've reached the ceiling? You don't know until you're past the ceiling, right? You do. Yes, exactly. So there's modeling that you can do. But it really is, and this is a lot of what we do as entrepreneurs, right? Is we wanna we wanna go out and we wanna take uh, take risks, and we wanna see, okay, what's gonna work, what's not gonna work. And the way that I look at it, and this was really something that I was um, I was taught. Uh, I, I went out to an event. I was at uh, it was the Ritz Carlton Paris, and it was Jay Abraham um, was there, and he was doing these hot seats, right? And I remember I was there, and I was pretty excited about. Um, I was getting actually my own. Uh, about uh, uh, about 10 plus X return. I was doing like $20,000 on ads and I was I was bringing in like 200 to 250,000 a month in revenue. And I was pretty excited about that. And, um, and I remember uh, Jay asked me, why not spend 50,000 on ads? And, and uh, I remember thinking, well, or saying, well, well, we're, we're kind of scaling up with like, like $5,000 a month at a time. He's like, well, why not just spend double next month? And I rem and that really was a groundbreaking moment. He said it in more eloquent ways than that. It was a few years ago, so paraphrasing. But um, essentially, uh, it really changed my entire perspective. Wait a second, why would I not do that? And he talked about a concept called risk arbitrage, right? Mm -hmm. Where the difference um, in spending 20 and let's say $40,000 in ad spend um, you know, there's a maximum potential returns. Like what's the best case scenario? Well, we double the revenue, we make another, let's say 200K. Um, and 
And then what's the possible worst case that you can imagine? I said, well, worst case, if we really have hit, tapped fully into it, maybe we make like a, a 2X on you know this 20K, we make 40,000. And he said, well, well, you see what you said there is, you don't even think that the worst case you would lose money on that 20,000. You would still you know, make money on that. Right. And, and he said, well, that's a risk arbitrage. You stand to gain more by testing this than you stand to lose. And even, even your losing scenario isn't really a real losing scenario. And he said, right. I would take that bet every time. And that was a big learning lesson. Right. And profitability really is the ultimate measure of whether an ad's working, not just whether it's 2x versus 4x, right? Exactly. Yes. It's all about the profitability as well. And so that's, that's I think, the, the, the key that I think is really important for people to look at is like your overall, what is this going to do overall to your bottom line? And I think that if you look at, uh, it's really interesting because people get really excited about the return on ad spend. But if you look at a big picture, you want to really figure out, okay, how can you maximize profits? That's the goal that you know for-profit companies have, right? Is how can I maximize these profits um, and make it sustainable, right? And so mm -hmm. I think that that's the better way to look at it, which is you know what is the ROAS and what is the uh, the the inputs that you can put in that's going to maximize your profits on the outside. Absolutely. So we've got less than two minutes until our final break. Let me ask you, is there an ideal length for a video that tends to work best? I'm sure you've tested longer ads versus shorter ads. Yes, yes. So this is actually a really interesting one because YouTube does technically recommend uh, less than three minute long ads. And typically that is a length that we recommend for our clients to use around two and a half to three minutes. So you'd have a 30 second hook, you'd have about uh, one to two minutes uh, educate section and then a 30 to 45 second call to action. Um, and so that's around you know, three, two and a half, three minutes long. That's typically what we recommend to clients. But we have a lot of clients that have four or five minute long ads that provide a lot of value. Now, Google will charge technically a higher um, you know, cost per thousand views, CPM. Um, however, uh, if your ad converts better because it's longer, then it evens itself out and you can actually get better results. So Fantastic. typically around two to three minutes, but we do have clients that run longer ads that perform even better. Absolutely, we are coming up against our final break. I cannot imagine, I can't believe how quickly this is going. We are learning so much today with our Lyric Heck and we are talking about paid YouTube ads to grow your business. We will come back after the break and we will talk about what omnipresent targeting, retargeting is. We'll talk about the biggest mistakes new people make when trying to start advertising on YouTube. And we'll talk about hijacking other people's traffic in a similar vein. We'll come back after the break. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. 
cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids. His dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Laura Keck. We're talking about paid YouTube ads to build and scale your business. And if you've ever thought about writing a book, go to writeabookforyou.com. You can read all about how I can help you. And there's a video down toward the bottom. I was on the nationally syndicated show, The List, where I talk about three things you need to get started writing a book. And there is a link to my calendar. I'd love to talk to you about that and if there's a way that we can help each other, that would be fantastic. So down the stretch we come, final segment. Alaric, let me ask you about omnipresent retargeting because this is a really cool concept. Yes, so omnipresent retargeting is all about any lead that comes into your ecosystem, there's a certain number that are gonna be ready to buy right away, right? So that's naturally the case. So it's anywhere from three to 5% of people that come in, they're gonna raise their hand, they're gonna be ready to invest. But the other 95 to 97% of people, they're not quite ready yet. And what you want to do is you want to warm them up. So the way to look at omnipresent retargeting is like a gigantic microwave, right? If your leads are popcorn kernels, you're putting those into the microwave that warms up those leads or those kernels from every single direction. And that is exactly what omnipresent retargeting does. So you want to have one main ad platform bringing people in. Uh, maybe you diversify as you scale to a couple platforms. But essentially, let's say YouTube ads are bringing in all of your leads, right? Those leads are coming in. Well, what you want to do, though, is once those leads have already identified that they're interested, you don't want to just warm them up on YouTube. You want to warm them up on every single platform because, yeah. again, it's one thing to target cold traffic, but if you have that list of leads, you can retarget them everywhere and warm them up until they're ready to pop and become new clients and sales. That's fantastic. What are some of the biggest mistakes new people make when trying to start advertising on YouTube? Yeah, so one of the big mistakes is not providing value. Like I said, that people, you know, they really are going to YouTube to either be entertained or to learn, and we wanna reach the people that are looking to learn. And so you wanna provide value in the ad, and you wanna have value that you're sending uh, people to as well. And that's one of the big mistakes is a lot of people just hop on. They say, hey, do you want this? Okay, well, go you know, buy my thing, right? It's very different than providing value and leading with value first. And long-term, we've always seen the value first approach uh, producing the best results. Absolutely. So I, I know that when I go on YouTube, I listen to music a lot and there are frequently ads and I get some of the same ads over and over again. How do you decide which videos to place your ads in front of? Yes. So the way that it works is it's actually audience-based 
targeting. So YouTube's actually shifted a little bit uh, over you know the last uh, couple of years uh, since kind of the early days it was all targeting directly in front of videos or in front of channels. Now it's audience-based targeting. I'll get to a specific. You kind of alluded to a specific way to to hijack traffic in just a second. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's more audience-based targeting and search-based targeting. So essentially, what are people searching for on YouTube? What are they searching for on Google? Um, or what are their interests? What are their affinities? What are they in the market for? And you can build out what are called these audience segments. Um, now, for our clients, one of the things that we did is we built a software, Keyword Search. And what that does is essentially goes in and they describe their, their business. And then that software will go in and find all of the different audience segments and different ways to target that ideal client on YouTube and on Google ads. And so essentially what you're doing is you're creating this list of keywords that people are looking up on YouTube, keywords are looking up on Google, or also websites they might be visiting or things they might be doing uh, as well. Fantastic. So let's just say that you are in a niche. Let's just say that you're in my niche. You, you help people write and publish their books. How do I hijack the traffic of other people who are doing pretty much the same thing and get my ads in front of that audience? Yes, so the way that you do that is you set up what is called a custom URL uh, audience. And so what you wanna do is go into Google, you build one of these custom audience segments and you change it to URL affinity. And what you can do is you could put in the actual URLs of all of your competitors into this audience. And what it will do is it will target the people that have been to those sites or been to similar sites. Now you might be wondering, well, how does Google know that? Or that almost sounds, you know, it, it, it sounds crazy. You, you, it's almost like you could retarget your competitor's traffic, which is what we talked about, hijacking their traffic. Well, the reason that this exists is Google already has all of this data. Remember, think about it. Google, uh, Google Chrome uh, is tracking all the websites that you go to, right? Google search, they know what you're searching and what you're clicking on, so they know the site that you're going to. A lot of people don't just type in the URL, they start with Google search. Additionally, right, you have, um, you have anything that they're, they're uh, you also have Google Analytics, right? Which is installed on over 55% of all websites. And so Google is tracking everything. They have large visibility into the websites people go on and they're willing to give you that if you just know how to use it. So you build out this custom URL audience and you could target people that are going to your competitors' websites with your ads. That's absolutely fantastic. So let's just say that you're trying some of these strategies and it's just not clicking. What can you do if you're struggling to get leads on YouTube? Yeah, so what you would wanna do is you'd wanna diagnose every step along the way. So in terms of writing the script, you wanna make sure that there's value, you have different hooks. Um, so one of the big things, uh, two things I would check is making sure there's value, making sure that you have several different hooks that you're testing. I like to test five different hooks. Right, so different uh, opening angles. That's the biggest thing with the creative that you might wanna change, right? The actual ad itself. Then in terms of the targeting, you wanna test different audiences, right? So you don't wanna just test one audience. Uh, what you wanna do is you wanna have multiple audiences. These URL audiences we talked about, uh, Google search and, and YouTube search audiences. Uh, you have in-market audiences, uh, custom affinity audiences, which are interest-based. So what you wanna do is set all of those up um, inside of your ads. Um, and, and I have a resource as well that talks a little bit about that as well, um, which, which will be valuable for anybody listening. But essentially what you want to do is go in and, and, and target people that way um, and then narrow down on what works. So you want to eliminate any audiences that don't perform, uh, ones that are kind of in the middle, you might want to change. And then the ones that work the best is what you want to scale up. Absolutely. So as we've been talking about this, we've talked about a lot so far today. And 
some of you listening might be thinking this all sounds great, but oh, oh my God, I can't possibly even wrap my head around all of this. How do you know when it's time to hire a professional such as yourself? Yeah, so I think the best way to, to look at it is um, is it really honestly is, is valuable to go in and have uh, professionals from the beginning. If you have the ability to really dive in and start running mm-hmm. uh, running paid ads, then um, having somebody support you every step of the way can really shortcut that learning curve and make sure that you don't make mistakes that oftentimes are more costly than investing in somebody to help you with the process already. Um, and so uh, that's what you know our team is here for is to train and help and guide you through the process to make sure that you actually uh, make all the right decisions and take the right steps from day one. How about one of your favorite case studies? Yeah, so one, one of my favorite uh, case studies that we have is uh, is Jared Ernie, and he has a business that goes out and he helps uh, local businesses with their, their Google uh, reviews and Google My Business profile, right? And that's really important for local businesses to have a Google My Business profile that can make or break um, you know, the foot traffic of a local business. And it was, uh, you know, he used to go, you know, kind of to different businesses and he had success with that. But in 2020, as we all know, like everything really shut down and a lot of these local businesses were struggling. And so he was facing some challenges as well. He came to us. We helped him with YouTube ads. And what he was able to do is in just six weeks, he had uh, more than doubled his, his investment that he had made with us. Um, he was able to uh, scale up uh, his overall business, even in a time that was initially very challenging for him. Um, he did uh, within the next you know, six months more revenue than he had done the year prior, and he was able to really scale up uh, his business um, and scale to, uh, to um, a uh, overall uh, a seven-figure business. And so essentially what we were able to do is get him to that spot, but it's not just about him. It's about what I love, which is the ripple effect of impact. By working with him, we're able to have a ripple effect with all those local businesses he's able to help. Because I believe if we're able to connect uh, our clients with their ideal clients, we're really creating good in the world and we're actually really creating this positive ripple effect of impact. Fantastic. Here's one of my favorite questions. What do you think are some of the top core values that you run your business by? Oh, I love it. So we have, um, we actually have our core values. It's lead and it starts with lead with passion and excellence, empower successful clients, act with integrity and dream and grow together. I love that. What has surprised you the most about your journey? So I think the thing that surprised me the most, honestly, has been really just that. I think it's just how amazing it is to be able to impact so many different businesses that we're working with, and um, and just the, the the way that we were able to grow and. Um, do what we love. And I know it's like, it doesn't surprise me, but it's also, it kind of, it's like, it's just, it's, it's working out very well. And I think that it's from a congruent place and um, it's more that I'm really grateful for it. And, uh, and, you know, you go out and you hear a lot of people who don't enjoy what they do, um, aren't making the level of impact or contribution that they want. And I just feel tremendously grateful that I'm able to, you know, love what I do and, and create a, a genuinely strong impact. Fantastic. We've got about maybe two or three minutes until the end. How do you know what to say yes or no to? So I, I think you, you need to look at the opportunity cost and see what makes the, the most sense for you and your business at that point in time. And things evolve over time, right? So I used to say yes to uh, speaking at a lot of events in person, but I realized the travel, the opportunity cost of travel um, mm-hmm. is, is a strong one. And so things that serve you in a season might be different in the future. Yeah, Absolutely. If you could give advice to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? 
So I, I would tell him to continue to really, really focus on, um, really focus on ways to impact people and uh, and align that with the growth. I do think that you know uh, it's become full circle. You start with a strong desire to impact, and then as the business really grows, uh, not that that goes away, but it kind of takes a backseat to like, all right, well, oh my god, oh my goodness, like I'm I'm growing so fast. Let's focus on that. And then I think that as you grow, then you realize again the real big thing is to create an impact. And I think that that's the advice that I would give. But at the same time, I think a lot of people see that kind of that that cycle, right? Is is you, you kind of loop back to your original why and why you're doing what you do. Fantastic. And the question I ask everyone at the end: Who inspires and motivates you? Yeah. So uh, there's so there's so many different people. Um, uh, one person that is a really strong mentor that I have uh, is Alex Sharfin. He you know built uh, several successful you know coaching businesses and yep. uh, consulting businesses, and he's been really impactful in us as we grow and scale. He's helped mentor a lot of people, and, and I'm grateful to have him as mentor as well. Fantastic. Less than a minute to the end. How do we find you? How do we try with you and vibe with you? Absolutely. So I've got a, a, a gift for everybody who's listening to this. I've got our YouTube ad strategy PDF. It's a 19 page PDF. Walks you through the whole process. Go to adoutreach.com slash gift. That's A-D-O-U-T-R-E-A-C-H.com slash gift. Adoutreach.com slash gift. Um, and you can also check out my software, keywordsearch.com uh, that does the AI audience building, but adoutreach.com slash gift is the best place to go to get my free YouTube ad strategy PDF. And you can feel free to book a call on there as well. Oh my goodness, so much goodness today. Alaric Hack, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege. We must do this again. Absolutely, thank you so much, Brian. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn from them along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. <laughs>